were going, uh, uh, they were going to make a trip on a small engine plane, and the fellow had uh, bought this plane. It was a wonderful plane, and uh, he took his best friend with him, and they were going to make this journey way out across the ocean. And the plane went down. They survived, but they ended up on a little island all alone. And they said, well, nobody will know we're here. What are we going to do? The other fellow said, don't worry, it'll be okay. And a little while later, he said, what do you mean? How, how can you be so confident it's going to be okay? We're out here in this island. Nobody knows we're here. They'll never find us. He said, it'll be okay. Finally, uh, he said, I just don't understand you. We're out here. We have no food, no water. We're out here where nobody's going to catch us. How in the world are we ever going to know? People are ever going to know? He said, I tell you what. He said, I tithe. I make $10,000 a week. I guarantee you my pastor will find us. <laughs> well, that happens. <laughs> Never lose track of those folks, you know. Uh, I want to share with you this morning a, a, really a question. Uh, I wonder what, what gets in to people. What is it that gets into people? And Jesus found this to be something that happened even in Capernaum. In Mark's Gospel, in chapter number 1, verses 21 through 28, these are the words that he says, And they went to Capernaum, it was on the Sabbath, and Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people there were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with authority, not as the teachers of the law, just as the man there in the synagogue who was possessed with an evil spirit and cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man valiantly. And he came out of him. And the people were also amazed. And they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with, with authority that even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. And the news were about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. What is it that gets into people? I thought about this. You know, we've been hearing a lot on the news lately of what gets into people. I thought about uh, just recently the father. They showed a picture of a good-looking, middle-aged young man with a beautiful wife who was expecting another child. And they disappeared. And they finally found that this young man had not only killed his wife who was expecting and that baby, but he killed his other two children. And I begin to think, what gets into a person that would do such a thing? What is it that causes a man to go into a mall and begin to shoot at random people he don't even know? What is it that causes a person to do these kinds of things? I know that we've mimicked years ago when we had all the problems with, with the war and with Saddam Hussein. And some of the things that were told about him, we begin to think, well, what kind of a person is he? It, it was told, I read a story about his life and, and some of the things he did as a leader. He would take children out of incubators and throw them to animals. 
He killed the old. He destroyed those that were sick. And I begin to think, what in the world gets into a person's head? What makes them do these kinds of things? But you know, it doesn't only happen with those out there. It happens all around us. I remember reading the story about the similarity between mice and men has always been that neither want to die. Self-preservation is something all of us want. And I read a story about a, a Scandinavian mountains of a little mouse-like creature that they say will, will they, they just keep increasing and increasing. They just keep having them, kind of like rabbits, just having litter after litter until they would have so many of these little creatures that there was no room for people. There was no room for any more. There was no food. The, the supply was gone. And at that time, history says that they would come out of the mountains and they would come down from those mountains. They would cross watery streams that normally they're afraid of. They devoured everything in the midst of it until they came to the sea and then they would jump into the sea and they'd float for a little while until all of them would die. What makes an animal do that? We don't know. Historians don't even know. They've, scientists have tried to figure it out, but, but you know they can't figure it out. Rarely, rarely does the behavior of animals is unpredictable. Most of us understand. You know, rarely, for example, will a dog bite the hand that feeds it. I mean, it's not very often that that happens. But you know, human beings are very unpredictable. And I read of a census worker who was out in her area taking census one day, and as she was going from house to house, she realized that, that she had to go to this house that had a fence all around it. You couldn't get to the house without going through a gate. She knew there had to be a dog in there. She was a scared, petrified of dogs, and she thought, I don't want to go take that son. I don't want to go to that house. But she opened the gate very quietly. She pulled it shut, and she snuck her way up to the porch. And just as she got to the porch and knocked on the door, she felt a sense of satisfaction. For there was a woman on the other side. And when she opened the door and began to hand her the paper, about the census, the woman grabbed her arm and bit her. I mean, she had to have treatment. You see, we say, what got into, what, what got into, uh, to the dog that caused him the, man, many times we'd have to say, what got into Ronnie or Rhonda? I mean, what is it that causes a person to do such a thing? You know, we don't understand human nature. We don't understand why things happen. What gets into people? What is it? I think about this all the time. What is it that gets into somebody that's got a perfectly good life? Let me go back and throw it into our area where I pastor. I begin to ask myself over and over and over and over, what in the world got into a man like Jim Baker who had the ministry of the world at his feet? What got into a man like that that would jeopardize a ministry of thousands and thousands of people and his own family? What is it that gets into a person like Jimmy Swaggart who could sing and preach and play from that piano and had people swing in him? I mean, television. He could draw crowds all over the country. What is it that would cause a man to let his ministry go down and fail the God that he served all these years. What is it that gets into a person like that? 
What is it that gets into not only them, but you know what? What is it that causes a man to go on a rampage and murder all of his family and all the other people before killing himself? What gets into people? I begin to think about even young people. With all that goes on in our world today, what is it that gets into a young person that causes him or her to experience with dangerous drugs or run with the wrong people, the wrong crowd? What is it that causes them to do this? What is it that causes not only them, what causes a man to, to make the wrong choice and do the things that he does and deny his family and his children to go out here on a fling somewhere? What is it that gets into people? I pastored some of them. What is it that gets into I can think of a young woman in one of our congregations, a beautiful young woman, married, two children. But she, you know, she, she just could not stand not going out on a flirt with some other man. She lost her marriage. She lost her husband. And what does she do? She, she finds herself in a position that she realizes the mistakes she made and you're trying to help her, but she goes back to the wrong place again to find another guy. Marries the same kind the second time around. What is it that causes people to do that? As I begin to think about that, you know, some would say that the devil made them do it. Others would say, you know, that, 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 you know, we blame the devil for a lot of things that we do ourselves. You know how I know that? Because Jesus set a trial to teach him. A little girl one day was sitting, her daddy was kind of studying at his desk, a little girl was over there and her little brother and, and, and you know, he was a year or two younger than her and they got into a fuss. And she pushed him down. And then after she pushed him down, he, he said something to her and she went over and kicked him. And and the next thing you know, she turned around and spit on him. About that time, Dad lifted his eyes and said, Honey, the devil made you do that. She said, Well, Daddy, the devil may have made me push him down. He may have even made me kick him. But I thought about spitting on him. Hey, you know what? Sometimes, you know, the devil gets blamed for things that we thought about doing. Sometimes it's just a spirit that's within people that is ugly and that is mean and that is nasty. And sometimes, you know, they just want to show that spirit out. But you know what? I thought about this. There are others who would be traced to human behavior of that nature. They would trace it back to other problems. Some say it's an imbalance of chemicals in the brain. For example, today, in the world that we live today, a lot of times depression is, is treated with chemicals. It, it, as long as people take that medicine. Example of treating it nowadays with this aggression is sometimes it's treated with chemicals. And you know, scientists have tried this and they've proven it. And you know, they always try to work through animals to try to prove the test. And so they had this mean, ugly bull that nobody could handle. And one fellow decided that he was going to be able to, to put these electrodes into that bull's brain. And with a little transmitter, he could control that, that wild, mean bull. After the surgery was done and he was healing and he began to test it, he decided to put him in a ring. And he put him in a ring and he went out that ring with a transmitter and a red cloth. He'd wave the cloth and that old bull would just get his feet gone and start towards him. And when he'd get almost within a stone's throw of him, he'd push the transmitter and it would just stop instantly. 
I mean, like it never knew what it was doing. It just walk away. I thought about that. Man, wouldn't it be wonderful to have one of those? I mean, that when somebody in your family or somebody did something, you did like, you just zap them with that. You know, but we know life isn't that easy. Life isn't that easy. It doesn't work that way. You see, there are things that happen. Wouldn't it be great to just have that? But you know what? It doesn't work that way. There is an inappropriate behavior which no chemical or physical explanation is there for. And that must have been, I suspect, that that was true concerning the man that Jesus met in the synagogue. You see, he was there in the church service. But the Bible says the man had an unclean spirit. Now, I get to thinking about that. In today's language, what do you think an unclean spirit is? When you think about an unclean spirit, I think about, you know, in today's world, we would probably say it has a, a mental disorder. We might say today, in today's world, we might say it's a habit of harassing people. I, I think maybe that's what, that's what this man was. This man had a spirit about him that, that probably he harassed people that came to the tabernacle, that came to the temple, that came to worship. You know how we do today? I say those people that have that unclean spirit today are the people that, that go around in the midnight hour when no one's around the church building and take spray paint and paint foul uh, evil words and names all over the building. Or they may, they may find themselves putting things out where somebody has advertised and changing the name of Jesus Christ and, and doing all these things. They have a spirit about them, you see, that causes them to do that. You see, these are spirits that we see in our day today. Put filthy words, some of them in today, even posted online. Not realizing that that sometimes can never be taken away. Mark didn't specify about the man's symptoms. All we know is that he cried out. This man cried out when he saw Jesus, as some of us would. He saw him there and he said, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? What do you have to do with us? Are you here? Did you come to destroy us? Did you come? We know that you're the Holy One of God. Did you come to get rid of us? And Jesus said, be quiet. And then he said, come out of him. And the Bible says that the man shook and quivered and, 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 and didn't, didn't hardly could get rid of it and finally it came out of him. You know, sometimes... I think in the life of people that have these spirits, it's difficult sometimes to get a transformation hack. But Jesus was able to do it because He had authority. I want to talk about three things this morning about the authority, number one. You know, the authority of Jesus. That's what impressed the people who heard Him teach. He taught as one with authority. Do you know what would impress the world today? If we who are Christians would take the Word of God and believe it and practice it and take the authority that we have. The Bible says that we have that same authority within us if we'll trust Him. Some people say they, 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 don't, they, they, just, don't, they just don't understand it. You know, people, there are some people that just have authority. I mean, you ever been around somebody that you just looked at them and just knew they, they, they were powerful people? 
When they spoke, they had authority. It, it, it kind of reminds me, uh, the fellow had a bad headache. He'd been going on for about three days, and he decided I better go to the doctor. Maybe there's something more serious. He went to the doctor. He walked into the office. There's a big tall lady standing behind the counter. I was a nurse, and he said, uh, I've come to see the doctor today. i got this headache. been going on for three or four days. And she said, all right, sign your name right here and take this, this gown and go in there and take your clothes off. And he looked at her and said, what do you mean? She said, I said, take the gown and go in there and take your clothes off. She had authority. So he went in behind that door. He took off his clothes, put on that gown. And while he was standing there talking to himself, like most of us would, what in the world am I doing in here when all I got is a headache? And pretty soon he noticed and he, and he began to talk. And the fellow on the other side said, what you say? He didn't know he was there. And the guy said, what are you doing here? He said, I, he said, I came in here. He said, and she told me to come in here and take off my clothes and put on this gown. And he said, I, I don't know. He said, but he said, this is the strangest thing. He said, all I got is a headache. And he said, you think you got it bad. I came to read the water meter. <laughs> well, you know, there are some people that have that kind of authority. There are some people that you listen to whatever they say. And they have such authority. But Jesus had a different kind of authority than that. Jesus had authority not over just people. He had authority over the spirit that was within that person. And that's the thing that we noticed that they marveled about. They knew there was leaders that could tell people what to do through their, through their life, but they never had a leader that could be able to say to the spirit, come out of him. But you know what? We had that same power. The Bible says that if we, if we come and we confess and if the church lays hands on people and prays the prayer of faith and believes in the name of Jesus Christ, we can ask what He did and it would happen. Let me tell you something. It can happen in the world today that we live. But the problem is, is many times we don't believe it. Some people seem to have that kind of spirit and that kind of authority. Jesus did. The Bible said even the spirits recognize His authority. And you know what? I think that, I think that even sinners, even people that will say, you know what I thought about? I thought about Pontius Pilate. Pilate must have known of the authority of Jesus. Because why else would he, on that day when they took him to the cross and he decided to put that plaque up there, this is the King of the Jews. He realized that there was authority within Jesus. He saw that authority. He saw that was a, what was happening. And, and Jesus' authority came from a relationship that He had with the Father. He wasn't any different than you and I. He came from heaven to earth as a Son of God. He came to show us how to live and what power and authority that we could have. And you see, His power and authority came from His Father. That's where our authority comes from. Our authority comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the Father of all of heaven and earth. He's given us that power. The Bible says that, he, that Jesus had this divine authority, and Jesus said, I give this same authority that I have unto you. But what are we doing with that authority? What are we doing with it today? The second thing that I want you to impress me about this Scripture was the possibility of deliverance. The possibility. There's nothing like the possibility of something. Jesus delivered this man of an unclean spirit. He has that authority today. I want you to know that the Jesus that was worth speaking about this morning can deliver you from whatever gets into you. The Bible teaches this. It's sad that so many people in the church only give lip service to the Word. 
Oh, they've read the Word. They believe it's okay. They, they like it. But you know what? They don't believe it can deliver. You know why? The Word of God can deliver us today. He can deliver us today. It's, it's, it's amazing what God can do in our lives if we'll just show. Too many Christians, Jesus' authority is only paper authority. It's just what's written in the book. It's something that we study for inspiration. It's something that we listen to the preacher preach about. But it really does it really apply to our situations. Do we believe today that Jesus still has authority? That He has authority over the devil that tries to destroy your life? Do we still believe today that Jesus still has the authority that can empower to be able to cast out of you whatever's in you, that can make you heal, that can bring your marriage together, that can bring you to salvation, that can bring healing to your body? Do you believe that? That's what the Word says. But many times Christians in our day and age only see it as paper authority. When I say paper authority, it's an old, old story told years ago, and all of you probably heard it a dozen times, but, but it fits the case. Telephone company would send out men out, gonna put telephones in, they were going across the country, you know. First church I pastored. I, I, this story related to it, because I lived out, I was out in the country. And we wanted to, you know, they had, they had party lines. I said, you can't pastor a church and have a party line. I mean, yeah, everybody in the community you know what's going on. I, we need a private line in our church and in our home. And they said, well, you know, they're going to have to set poles in order for that to happen. And, and we're going to have to see what happens here. And so we begin to talk. And people in the community said, oh, you'll set the poles, we'll take one of those lines. Maybe even if it's not a party line, at least a two-party line. Get rid of all six of them. You know, and so they set the poles and, and they got me a private line. It kind of reminds me of the, uh, how those linemen that was out there, they were going across the farmer's field. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to plant beans and corn out there. He didn't want no telephone poles out there. And the fellow said, he said, I want you to get off of my property right now. And they said, oh no. We have authority to put these poles wherever we think they're necessary. He pulled out a piece of paper and he showed it to that fellow and he said, right here, it tells you that, that we have authority wherever we think a pole needs to be set, we can set it. We have that authority. The fellow said, well, I don't agree with it, but he went on back. He said, go ahead. The guy went out there, and they were out there about a half hour, and pretty soon he, here's these guys yelling and screaming and running like crazy men. And, and they're hollering, and they're saying, the bull, the bull, the bull's after us. And the old fellow, the farmer, sat up on the fence post and said, show them your paper. Show them your paper. <laughs> you know, that, that, ain't that what we do? We, we say, when we get in trouble, we say, well, let's look at the Word instead of living by the Word. You know, I, I think God has authority. Jesus, Christians, too many times, our authority is only a, a paper authority. It's something that we study for inspiration, and we really don't think it applies. For many, Jesus' authority doesn't put marriages back together. It doesn't bring families closer. It doesn't mean that we can be cured of an addiction totally. It doesn't mean that we can get rid of our character flaws. <laughs> I, I remember, oh, it's been 40 years ago. <clears throat> I was just a young fellow. I was having a meeting in church one time with a bunch of guys, trustees back then. One old fellow, he got upset with the other fellow. 
And he just let off on him. I mean, he just he just went up one side and down the other. And he just walked, stoked up down on the table, and he walked out. I said, wow, i never seen anything like this. Oh, pastor, don't get discouraged. That's just the way he's always been. But let me tell you something. That old fellow needed somebody to lay hands on him and pray for him. He needed to get that spirit out of him because that is not a spirit of God. That is not a spirit of cooperation. That is not a spirit of unity. But you see, there are so many people today that we don't believe. We just say, well, that's just the way they are. That's my personality. No, it's not. My friend, God created us to be His servants, His people. And we need to learn that if we have that problem, to bring it to Him and allow Him to take care of it. Some of only a small, believe in a small authority of Jesus. They believe Jesus can do little things, but not big things. They believe he's, he's, He can do some things, and some rebel against it. But deep within every soul, every person has a longing for hope. Some disguise it. and They try to seek it in wrong places. Some people that have a problem in their life, they keep looking. Do you know something? That most people that have a problem with drugs and alcohol is because they got a problem on the inside they're trying to cover up. If I just get another drink, if I just take another pill, I, I, this thing will be okay. If I if I get a little high, maybe maybe it'll just pass, and tomorrow I'll forget about it. Instead, my friend, it's always there. We need to tell them that there is hope in the world. This world, there is help, there is deliverance, and it is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So many times we send them everywhere else. But you see, we need to surrender to the authority of Jesus. And that's the third thing. That there's a need to surrender to the Lord. Totally, completely to the Lord. Many of us surrender, but only on our basis. You see, we need to have surrender. It's essential. We are not slaves to the world. We're not slaves to sin. We've been delivered by the power of God. We are free moral angels. We can choose... But we must choose. If we want the power of Christ in our lives, no matter who it is, if we want that power of Christ in our life, we need to open our lives to the Spirit of God. If you really want that power in your life, if you want to be able to overcome being an overcomer, you need to allow yourself to be open to the Spirit of God. And that means more than just coming and confessing your sins and asking Jesus to forgive you of your past. It means opening your heart and your life now to say, let the Spirit of God move within me. Let Him guide me. Let Him direct me. Let Him chastise me. Let Him bring me to the point to where He wants me to be that I can live for Him. You see, no matter what, some people have a nodding acquaintance with God. They, they You know, they're kind of like the disciples were when Jesus was going to the cross. They saw Him at the campfire and they said, oh, no, no, no. No, we, we know who He is, but we're not, we're not one of His followers. There's a lot of people today that are that way. They just have a nodding acquaintance. You know, regardless of how harsh it may sound or whatever, my friend, there's not a one of us here today that doesn't need an experience of Gethsemane. We have to come to the point in our life where we either say, it's my will or God's will. It's my will or it's God's will. And when we get to the point to where we let God's will be done in our life, 
things can happen. Things can happen. I thought about this, you know. After a number of years of pastoring and preaching, come to retirement a few years back, ten years, I suppose to retire. <laughs> but as I came to the end of retirement in my life, I had some people ask me, well, you know, after all those years in ministry and all those years of pastoring, all the different people you pastored, what do you account? What do you account when you look back at your life and look at and ask, what have you learned from life? I learned a lot of things. You know, you know, I learned a lot of things from my own mistakes. There's, you know, none of us like to make a mistake. And, and, you know, that's the biggest mistake we make in making mistakes with our children. We never want them to make a mistake. But you know what? I learned more in making mistakes than I ever did any other way. I learned that when that happens, oh, you don't do it twice. <laughs> I tell you, the biggest mistake I made is right after we were married. My wife loves coconut. She loves coconut milk. And I'm wanting to do the best I can. And so she said, if we buy this coconut and take it home and you put a hole in it, in it I can drink the milk and then we'll eat the coconut. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a logical idea. I'll do that. So we bought the coconut and we brought it home. And Now, I, I've never been one to open up a coconut. I didn't know how he was going to open that thing up and get the milk for her. And so I was smart. I knew how I could do it. Man, I'm going to take me that hammer and that 16-penny nail. I'm going to turn it up on the end and I'm going to drive that nail down in the end of it and I'm going to wiggle it around. And when I turn it over, no milk come out. Then I realized it needs to have an air hole. Now, if I turn it the other way and drive the nail and then the air comes out, I'm going to lose the milk and then I'm going to be the bad guy. So I decided I would go in the house she had the prettiest 16-ounce glasses all cut on. And I took that glass out there because, I mean, I want to serve her coconut milk in the best glass in the house. I set the coconut on top of the glass. And I got my hammer. And I got my 16-penny nail. And I held it up there. It was hard to do, but I held it up there. And I took one big whack and the glass went everywhere. I learned from that. You buy coconut already milk out of the coconut. I never did do that again. You see, you learn from mistakes. I mean, there's lots of things you do that you learn from mistakes. And so, so when I begin to think about the mistakes that I've learned from, you know, somebody asked me, I said, well, one of the things I did, I, I learned from my own failures. Sometimes I, I learn from the confidence of other people. Of looking at other people. You know, you know the thing that I, that I found in ministry? I love it when I can go to a home of an elderly person. Oh, when I can sit down and, and they can, I can talk loud enough that they can hear me and they tell me of the experiences that they've had over the last 50 years. I can remember, I remember a fellow, I baptized this guy at 80 years old.
He had come to know Christ. But I sat in his yard, I sat on his porch, on his front porch, which became the main street in town when I was in Belfast. And have it sat there on the porch on a hot day, and we'd be sitting there, and he'd say, Now, Pastor, right over there, the ice wagon used to come twice a day. Because we had an ice box. He said, Over there, see where that is? He said, Right there is where we used to tie the horses. I mean, he said the streets were brick. I learned more from that man. And then when I would get with a saint, they'd tell me about some of the experience that happened and what the church did and how they sacrificed and how they gave and how they were, they were there. they tell the times when, when they had the... You know, there, there was times when there was not enough money to, to take care of paying the utility bill. And somebody in the family, somebody in the church family would say, I'll pay the church bill this week. Somebody else will say, well, if you need something, I, I, I'll do it. We'll, we'll sacrifice. We'll give a little. We, we've got a little much. And I've seen that. I've learned from them what God blessed them with in their life because of their sacrifices. One couple we were building, and one couple that I can remember, I took him to the bank, and he went to the banker, and he got $500. And later I found out, you know, the two of them was on Social Security for less than $100 a month. They were going to give $500 to the church for a building. They borrowed it to pay it back. But I'm going to tell you something. Out of that family, there was five ministers. Five ministers came out of that family. Wallace family, all over southern Ohio, Middletown, down in that area. They came out of the hills of Tennessee. Let me tell you something. Because that they saw something in that family, they experienced, it taught me. You cannot give and you can't out love God and serve God. There's no way. There's no way you can do that. And so some of the things that I've learned, I've learned, my friend, from my failures, from the confidence of others. I learned from pastoring of 45 years in ministry, from observing my friend through the years. And I tell you, of all the things I've learned, of all the things I've learned, now I'm going to tell you the secret of it all. Oh, it's powerful. The one thing that I learned I learned that life only works one way. And that's God's way. The only way life works is one way. When you serve God, my friend, He made it like that. Outside of God, there's only death. And Jesus said, I am the way. He must have meant it. Because you see, that's the only way life works. Without Christ, it's a failure. Jesus' authority to deliver us from whatever gets into us. Many of the things that get into people are beyond understanding and chemical fixes. Sometimes, sometimes, my friend, He's the only authority that can help us. We have to surrender to Him. We have to be honest with Him. We have to be to the point. And Jesus said, as he came to church that day, I'm sure that man in that synagogue did not come there with the idea that he'd be delivered, but he was. He came there probably to see what he could do to make it harder on Jesus than he ever had. He came there with this evil spirit. And the Bible says that Jesus heard him speak, and even though he was bragging on him, He said, we know who you are. You are the Son of God. You are that one from Nazareth. You are the Holy One. 
You'd have thought Jesus would pat him on the back, pull him up on the platform. But he knew that within the heart of that man, that deep down in his words, he didn't believe a word of it. And so Jesus said, be quiet. And the Spirit that caused him to do that, he said, come out of him. And the Bible says instantly it happened. And you know what? It must have shown. You know how I know? Because the Bible says word spread all over Galilee. It spread everywhere. You know that fellow that was such a maniac? You know that fellow that created nothing but havoc in the synagogue? You know that one that just just always made trouble for everybody? He's been healed totally of that spirit. The God that I serve is able to deliver us from whatever gets into us. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the problem I've had people say, well, sometimes, you know, there's some things beyond God. No, no, no. There are things beyond chemical fixes. There are things beyond medication. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing that's beyond God. When we surrender it to Him, He will deliver. And that's the reason why Jesus said, and even the songwriter that we're going to sing this morning said, all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. You see, there has to be that surrendering to God in order to get delivered. I don't know what your need might be today. I don't know what you're looking for in life. I don't know what you're praying about. But, my friend, it's time that we come to the place where we believe in the authority that God has to take care of that need for us. He can do it right here this morning for you as He's done for me. Let's stand Father, You know the needs. You know the hearts. Lord, we thank You for the authority that You have today to touch hearts and lives of people. Oh God, we pray that this Bible would not just become paper in our hand and something that we study to be able to have knowledge about, but Lord, help us today to let it become real in our lives, to come from the pages into our hearts and into our lives. Father, for the one that's struggling today, whatever the struggle might be, let this be the day that they come and allow the authority of God to take care of that need. Father, meet the needs of Your people right here today. And Lord, we'll forever give You the thanks. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.